Do you know this is the first week of the 30th year of being in existence Joshua Baptist Church? 30th. We're working. We're working on 30. And boy, I'll tell you, it's been a great ride. It surely has. What do you call a soldier... Twenty-nine years. What do you expect out of one mic? Amen. Thirty years out of one mic. Especially if you bought it from Radio Shack. But we're not worried about the mic at all. I'm going to preach to you out of the book of First Peter this morning. And I would like to invite each of you to follow along with me today. Because there is no guarantee that you will not become a casualty. If you should read in the book of Matthew chapter 13 and the book of Luke chapter number 8. <laughs> I didn't step in no hole. Pick it. Go to sleep. Leave it alone. Is it the battery? You don't know why it's What is the battery for? But what word? Well, that's what it's We don't care much about this smoke. You know, Moses preached two and a half, three and a half million folks. But in the book of Matthew chapter 13, and in the book of Luke chapter number 8, Jesus gives a parable of the seed and the sower. And he says that a sower went forth to sow, and some seed fell by the wayside. Some fell in thorny ground, some fell on hard ground, others fell on good Four parts, three of them were casual. That means three out of four folks here this morning has a possibility of becoming a spiritual casual. You said, not me. That's the same thing Peter said when Jesus said, Peter, Satan hath desired to have thee, that he may sift you as wheat. It breaks my heart to see casualties at the Joshua Baptist Church. It breaks my heart to see kids raised in church at a certain age, becoming a casualty, never to darken the church house doors again. So I thought it might be a good idea today to acquaint you with this spiritual warfare that we're in. And we need to quit just acting like we're not in a spiritual warfare. Somebody wants your kids. Somebody will do anything in the world to wreck your home. Somebody has his sights 
on you today. And he has plans for you and your family. 1 Peter chapter number 5, I read to you today, beginning in verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort them also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And Peter here exalts the elder, the pastors. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's inheritance, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Verse 6, humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary. Now look up here. Everybody don't love you. Everybody's not a Jesus. Everybody's not willing to go to the cross, spend six long hours in excruciating agony there, pouring out his very lifeblood that you might be saved. Everybody don't love you that much. You have an enemy. You have an adversary. You have someone who wants to sift you as wheat. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I don't know if you know it or not, but you're kind of working and fighting under very difficult circumstance. You can't see your adversary. You can't see your enemy. So how do you defeat and fight the unseen? He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever heard this little quirk, the devil made me do it? <laughs> like he's just your little pet booger in a red suit with a forked tail over there playing with you and having a good time in your playpen. The devil does not play. The devil devours. The devil just not maul and leave you laying there bleeding. He is, has all intent of devouring you spiritually, domestically, financially, emotionally. He wants to ruin you. Have you ever heard this? Well, I guess I'm a little backslidden. <laughs> you think maybe old Samson, while he is pushing that huge millstone, blind as a bat because they'd burn his eyes out. As that whip cracked across his back, and he pushed and labored for his enemies. If the NBC, ABC, BULL, and ESPU could reach over there and say, Well, Samson, what's the problem, Samson? <laughs> I guess I'm just a little backslid. 
Samson was a casualty. What makes you think, with your philosophy of life, that you will not become one of the four? Are we having fun yet? Do we believe the book? Do we believe the Bible? Now notice I read for you. Verse 9, whom resist steadfast in what? In faith. How many of you believe in faith? How many of you have faith? Say that. In what? After three or four days in the hospital and sucking through a straw, I realized that faith without foundation was foolish. Somebody told me if I get married, I'd never have another problem. I had faith in that. Well, preacher, I've got faith. Faith in what? Resist steadfast in faith. knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthen, settle you. That beats value many times. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Three out of four in the parable became casualties. I believe with all of my heart that maybe the United States government has one thing right called boot camp. And I shall never forget Gene Jr., Got awful upset because I always made him and David get haircuts. I'd go off on evangelism for three or four weeks, and I'd come back, and sure the world, and boys would let the hair go down over their ears. And the first thing they'd say when I got off the plane or got up to the house, Daddy, please, no white walls. And Gene Jr. just got tired of Daddy telling him to get a haircut. So he joined the Marines. I said, son, did they ask you if you could handle some white walls? You see, the government, in training soldiers, has it right. When you step off that bus and that five-foot-tall and all-direction drill instructor welcomes you to boot camp, you have just received your coming up. training is intense. The training is not only mandatory, it is necessary. You get up when you want to sleep. You eat when you don't want to eat. They familiarize you with your weaponry, do they not? Brother Sean here was a marksman when he was in the Marines. He said that he missed the target every time, but he was just a good con man and got through anyway. A good soldier, it is necessary that they be trained. You have to be 
to follow to be able to lead. You have to be able to recognize authority. See, that's something people don't recognize uh, when they get saved. They just, somehow or another, we've just slipped into church, sat out on a pew and hid for all these many years, and we become victim to everything that comes down the pike that the devil wants to throw our way. And I just believe unless... Our church becomes a trained church. Our church will become a casualty. A used to be. I can remember when they ran buses. I can remember when they had folks saved. I can remember when they had a lot of teenagers. And they all looked right, dressed right, acted right. And Tom, Mom, and Daddy on a regular basis said they are right. But if we're not absolutely careful... We will become a victim. The Bible says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Who told you that once you got saved, everything's going to be easy? Who told you there would be no thorns in that thorn bush? Who told you that everything was going to be happy, hunky-dory? Praise God, hallelujah. Jesus is coming soon. Whoever told you all that is going to be real easy once you got saved. You see, we're not only sons, we're servants, but we're also soldiers. God help those who are nothing but sons and do nothing but suck up the blessings and just sit there and just get fat and sassy. God help us to realize we're not only sons, we're servants. Preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. God's soldiers needs intense training, and I think we need to be acquainted with our weaponry and with what's going on. Could I please say to you today, now listen, eat this up, get it good. Spiritual battles are never won through carnal means. Just going to church ain't going to fix your problem. Just listen to me preach is not going to fix your problem. Your adversary, the devil, is going to do everything he can to steal your
ask you a question, and I, I'm sorry that some of you are asleep. Please wake up in a while. Are you aware that you are living in a spiritual war zone? Are you aware that there is our testimony, our families. How familiar are you with spiritual warfare? 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do, war, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Are you aware that you are in a spiritual warfare? If you are not, you have already surrendered. May I say that again? If you are not in a constant warfare, according to the Word of God, you have already surrendered, thrown in the towel, and become a victim of the devil's dirty deeds. How familiar, how familiar are you with our arch enemy, the devil? Say, preacher, I come to hear about Jesus. Well... I'll tell you about Jesus a little later, but I need to acquaint you with what's going on over at your house. The Bible describes the devil as the God of this world. And if it's not of one God, it is of another. If Jesus did not ordain it, then somebody else thought of it. And if Jesus is not running your home, somebody else is. And it is not you. The God of this world, roaming about as a roaring lion, seeking he may do what? Devour. How familiar are you with
us are psychotic. It's just some of us are a little farther along than others. Come on, say amen. We're all living in the institution if we've been married. Is that what they call marriage, the institution? And go ahead and get married if you don't mind living in the institution. <laughs> Hope nobody here has been engaged lately. But no, I ask you now, and, and, and I've got to close. And I'm halfway through the introduction. If this dirty, slimy deceiver of the devil is so bent on learning, says we are not ignorant of his devices. Is that what the Bible says? We are not ignorant of his devices. And yet, as I look at America, as I read the papers and as I read the magazines and as I watch the news in the afternoon, we are ignorant of his devices, of his schemes, of his plans, of his wiles. Listen to me. He's winning. Listen to me. He's winning. Could I please just give you two or three of his devices he's using? And maybe if I'm wrong, you apologize to me after. intolerant parents quit having standards for kids when they got old enough to argue with them. Now where's the kids? The worst thing you can do for a 16-year-old kid is buy them a car and get them a job. Preacher, I didn't come to hear that. Well, I'm real tolerant. I'll go on then. Parental tolerance. Pastoral tolerance. Preacher, you got to put up some stuff. No, I don't have to put up with stuff. Well, now the church is bigger. You need to not be so loud and, and so boisterous and so preachy. Shut up. 
administration in the Bible. become a casualty when we begin to emphasize the head more than the heart. That will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. could ever happen to us is for us to begin to have a head kind of religion. They've written me and asked me to tell of the rapid growth of our church over the years. I've been asked to write an article about And I just tell them how this church was built. Now listen, don't sit here. I put out a sign that Joshua Baptist Church was barter pastor and folks started coming. And they kept coming.
just going to keep preaching and praying and giving and sowing and just let God take the rest. You'd like to be a member of the kind of church that's a heart kind of church. You know, it's not a shame to cry when Jesus blesses your heart. It's not a shame to stand up and say, praise God! Emphasizing the head. What can we do to get a bigger crowd next week? How can we organize it to make the boat appreciate what? How can we do this? How can we just ain't got it figured out? Let me give you a verse. Some of you look like you need a verse. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. kids
devil does not have to have his way with you. But it's a deadly philosophy when you start elevating size over sort. Because when you do, size will not show up three times a week. So you've got to have one service a week. When you start emphasizing size over sort, you've got to duly dilute the message to hang on to the carnal craft. Because when you emphasize size over sort, they're looking for entertainment and not worship. And when you emphasize size over sort, the emphasis in the church and in your life has got to change. What's the emphasis? Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to see and to say that was the The emphasis in the church must have been winning the laws of the new culture. But when you forsake sort aside, you might have to emphasize wealth. The devil would like to make this church a casualty. But I don't believe he can if this church is a trained, biblically, Holy, Holy Spirit filled, hell shunning, 
heaven going. Sin hating. Jesus loving. Holy Spirit filled bunch of folk. But you can't be that. Watching Hoogland Heroes tonight at 6.30. And by the way, just for your information, we still have services Wednesday at 7. Just in case you folk have forgot it. Please smile before I pray. I can always pray better if you smile.